Wheelchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about our favorite biblical figures as we jump into the first week in our new series entitled Great Stories. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching, back in the armchair with Pastor John. Hello, Hello everybody. And you know, I totally overestimated how far we were in our armchair preaching number. I think I said last week we were on like number 88. Turns out we were only on like 83. So we still have a oh, little, not we're still a little, little ways to go. Um, but glad to have you back. We're, we started a new series um, this past Sunday after a very lengthy series um, called the Ordo Salutis, very theologically heavy. This this week we shifted to a more narrative-focused yep. series called, well, Great Stories. I mean, it doesn't get more narrative than a series <laughs> called Great Stories. We're looking at three figures over the next three weeks, and um, this week we kicked off with Joseph. But I, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of biblical figures in the Old and New Testament, and it got me thinking about um, the figures, the biblical characters, the biblical men and women that I really resonate with, and some of them that I really resonate with we're talking about over the next three weeks. But I wondered what uh, if there's a biblical figure that really you've always just kind of gravitated towards their story. I mean, besides Jesus, that can't use Jesus. Sorry. Can't if, use Jesus. If that Jesus <laughs> we're going to assume Jesus is at the top yes, of the yes, list. Yes. Um, but is there another biblical figure that really just resonates with you in your own faith journey? Well, uh, th- for those of you who are listening to this, uh, you might want to weigh in on your answers to the yeah, same question. I'd love question. to hear that, yeah. And the reason for this is that my hope is that this great stories idea of these little these little insertions, like we have these three-week insertions, that we'll, we'll use these as moments in regular preaching time. So we'll come yeah. back to this this series on great stories, and we'll just have different people we'll plug in. Um, now, when you were asking about that, and you talked just before we hit record, um, uh, t- two things came to my mind. And one of, them, one of them, of course, was it is the story of Joseph, because yeah. it's, it is so rich, and it's so, it's so many – Twists and turns and and ups and downs and and then where it lands is so is so powerful. I love that. I love that. I love this story. Yeah, that was one. Uh, but the other one is, is um, and I seem like I've said this recently in one in a sermon recently is is the the prof, is the uh, is Nathan the prophet with, oh, with King, yeah. King David's yeah. Nathan. Yeah. And it's for me. It's just the thing with Nathan is the truth and the courage. Yeah, that it took for him. To do what he did when uh, when when the king was out of control, yeah. The truth and the courage that didn't do that to do what he did was just really powerful. Because and then th- just the wisdom—that's the other piece of it. He, you know, mm-hmm. rather than saying, "King, here's what you did wrong," start yeah. listening and all that. He said, "Let me tell you a story." Yeah. And he does that whole bit with the uh, the man who stole the the poor man's uh, sheep, and then said, yeah. "You are the man." Yeah. So yeah, I, I, those are two that came to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I too. I, I really like. I think I even mentioned it um, in my message on Sunday. Joseph's story. I really, I really resonate with in a lot of ways. But uh, the the one that I always come back to and think, man, this is my guy. It, it's got to be the it's got to be the Apostle Peter, man, because he he's just uh, he just he has such great potential in 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 the in the when he's walking with Jesus, but 
he keeps tripping up, right? I mean, he keeps fumbling. You know, he'll have these great moments like Matthew 16 where he's, you know, proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the, the son of the living God. And and Jesus, you know, says, you know, you're Peter on this rock I build by church. But then before the chapter's over, Jesus is calling him Satan. And <laughs> and, and and I just I, – I, I love the fact that there's – Peter's story is the story that answers a lot of of questions related to um, the what ifs. You know, well, what what happens if I if I go through a period where I'm unsure and I deny deny Jesus? You know, well, 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 let's look at what happened to Peter and look look how Jesus in His grace brings Peter along. Um, to me, that's always uh, that that's resonated. Um, you know, I used to me. do a thing on a course on spiritual gifts, and and one of the things that we did. Was with spiritual in the, in the spiritual gifts courses, ask the question of who, who are your heroes? Yeah, living, dead, real, fictional. You know, who are your heroes? And the point at the end of it all, after it took some time to say who your heroes were and why, was it may well be that those you see yourself yeah. in the heroes, or you see something you want in yourself in that yeah. hero. Yeah. So, uh, do you feel that way with Peter? Because I feel that way with with, with Nathan, and I feel yeah. that way with, uh, with with Joseph, the two I mentioned. Yeah, definitely do. I had a I had a doctoral class. Um, it was actually a two year one of the two year classes uh, that I had to take when with my doctoral, and it was a it was a leadership um, kind of mentoring class with uh, Terry Walling. And um, you know he he said you know your your spirit your uh, your biblical spirit animal is kind of how he put it he was using that tongue in cheek <laughs> he said is Peter um, just because there there's a there's a there's a brashness to Peter I think that that comes across but then there's also with that brashness sometimes you trip up and. <laughs> You get you get too passionate sometimes, and you you know, and it's not until there's for Peter there's it, and we think you know post resurrection that Peter's that 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 all just went away that he just you know he was totally sanctified and perfected, but even in the post resurrection we still see Peter doing some of the same things that he did. Yes, he has a lot more confidence and he has a lot more uh, you know his preaching is obviously powerful, but he still has uh, uh, the temerity to tell the resurrected Jesus when he is told in a vision to eat unclean food. No, no Lord, no Lord, yeah. I have never eaten anything unclean and it's like okay, well maybe Peter, maybe the the rules are changing a little bit and Jesus <laughs> has the right to tell you that. We also know he, you know, Paul had to confront him about his relationships with Gentiles. So there was there was still this this powerful leader that was very imperfect in his approach and and was constantly having to rely on yeah. Jesus Christ and his, yeah. his the grace of Jesus Christ. Okay, you have to say it now. You have to say it. We're going to do this three-week series yeah. followed by what? Followed by the the first letter to that Peter writes. Yeah, we're we're doing a series called A Living. So Peter's going to come in the come in the uh, to be highlighted here shortly. Yeah, which is it's so incredible when you think about the content of that that letter that first Peter, um, given the fact that he's he has to, he goes through so much in his own faith journey and and uh, yeah, but I like the Nathan thing too because for those that that don't know, you know, tell tell folks that maybe kind of I know who Nathan is, but what's the the high watermark for yeah, him? Yeah, so is, King King David, adulterous affair, arranges murdered of the the woman whose husband uh, was a soldier of his. He arranged for the murder of this. He thinks he's gotten by with it. The woman's pregnant by by the king. And he thinks he's gotten by with it. He's like, breathe, you know, almost a sigh of relief that the husband's out of the way. He can marry her, make it seem legit. Yeah. 
and he's ready to move on, the Nathan the, Nathan the prophet, of course, God knows, and, and God yeah. reveals this to Nathan, and Nathan knows, and, and Nathan goes before the king and says to the king, um, this, this is the part I think is the brilliant part of it. He doesn't tell him directly. He says there was a man because mm-hmm. uh, kings. The job of the kings at that time was to was to uh, m- make judgment calls. Me, they, they yeah. were to they, they were to make declaration like a judge that you're guilty, you're innocent, that type of thing. So he he, he brings before the king a case. There's a rich man had a lot of sheep, and there's a poor man who only had one sheep. The rich a traveler comes to the rich man's house. The rich man goes and takes the one sheep that belonged to the poor man, and of course he's referring to mm-hmm. the wife yeah. that he had an affair, affair with, and um, and and Uriah is the the, the, the poor man is a husband who he had killed, and and but David doesn't know any of that. He thinks it's actually a person that's being. You know, a case before him, and so he is furious with the injustice of it all, and he just says the man who has done this deserves to die. Yeah, there's the brilliance of 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 Nathan because he says, "King, you're the man. Yeah, you are you are that man. Yeah, you are the one who took the one thing, and you, you the poor man had, and you are the one who needs to make the change. So it was the wisdom." For how mm-hmm. to do it, the courage to do it—that's that's the first step. Yeah. The courage to say, "Look, if there's something not right, yeah. we need to talk about it." Yeah. So again, do I, what, is it me? Do I do I, I feel like that's something that we need to talk about? If there's something that's not right, you know, in any situation, if it's whether it's a between a, in a marriage or in a family or in uh, on staff or you know in a, in a business, is there something not right? We need to talk about it. Yeah. You know, not talking about not talking about it. Is not helping. Yeah, and yeah. so, but it's a matter of being willing to, and then actually doing that. So I love that. I love that about him, and I'd like I'd like to think that I am that person who's also also listening to truth and listening to God's voice, and in the middle of all that, and trying to bring some 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 faithful and hopefully fruitful resolution. Yeah, and it and it speaks to even the way God communicates to us His truth. It's through the stories of. As the way I put it, faithful but flawed men and women. Yeah, that was um, great. And God communicates his truth. Not, I mean, we think of, I mean, so many people outside the faith think of faith as, as a series of, Christianity as a series of do's and don'ts and laws and and, and there there is that in there right I mean we have the law we have Jesus giving us you know moral codes but but the the vast majority of scripture even in the teaching of Jesus it's stories to get to communicate not just the truth of something but the impact of that truth and so that's why the series that we're entering into is so important and uh, we jumped into joseph um, from the book of genesis uh, beginning in genesis 37 Uh, we took um, different approaches different uh different uh, angles we focused on different angles but landed sort of landed in the same place landed in the same place so i wonder when you're looking at the story of joseph it is you know it, it spans genesis 37 to genesis 50 there's that genesis 30 Judah Tamar story, which yeah. kind of interrupts the the cycle, um, but there but there's a reason that it's inserted there between 37 and 39. Um, but what were you? What was the? What was your kind of mindset about what to choose? Because you had Anna read a really 
large chunk of the yeah. this, the that opening yeah. chapter. What were you, th- you know, going after when you're thinking through this 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 particular? Well, first off, I think you and I both felt felt and still feel. And anytime you're going to tell the story of the, of the life of Joseph, when you've got 25 percent of the book of Genesis that covers yeah. uh, that, that is covered with the life of Joseph, it's the question of how how much can you tell and how yeah. much do you tell? And so my thinking was, I want to establish the foundation, like the beginning, the origins, mm-hmm. like to get this piece settled, and then and then broad brush the, the the big picture of the movement of his li- of his life same thing you did the, 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 here's the big picture of what what happened in his lifetime so mm-hmm. the point the point was to try and step back from 12 chapters 25% of the book of, of Genesis and push back from it far enough to say from 30,000 feet up saying what happened and why does that matter yeah that was really what was after and 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 in particular and I, I love we were both we were both trying. We were both working on working towards this. Is like, what does this have to do with Jesus? Yeah, you know, where is the where is the the connection to the to your typology to use, to use your words? Where is the typology, and what does that have to say to us as well? So yeah. it was really trying to fit all that together into one piece. Um, by the way, I loved the idea of the temptation. I didn't talk about that in, yeah. in my message. I love what you did with that temptation. That um, that that in that moment there was the temptation to, you know, with the with Potiphar's wife. Yeah, I'm getting into some some detail now. Yeah. now but I just just think, as I'm thinking about that, the scope yeah. of the story, there was one of the things I didn't talk about was the fact that there was you know there was something there where he he's alone with his woman and part of it was not this was the bigger piece and more than the sexual temptation was the power temptation yeah he was second only to potiphar but he could be right there with potiphar yeah if he yeah. sort of gave into that gave into that moment and um and and i love how you you spent some time just really building out actually i'd be curious to hear how you, you even thought about that how you building out that the the favor of god on joseph mm-hmm. which is a different joseph than we meet in chapter 37 yeah it's the hardest part for me is, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the life of Joseph. So, for those that that know the the congregation here, they know I teach a Bible study on Sunday mornings, and I have been for the last seven years. I've been teaching this Bible study. It's a verse by verse kind of unpacking of of different books of the Bible. We call it the Agape class, and. Uh, one of the most substantial segments of time was two and a half years in the book of Genesis. Well, we spent 21 weeks in the life of Joseph. Wow! So there's so there's a heart there's a there's there's a uh, a lot of uh, a lot of I have a lot of notes on it. I have a, but the problem is <laughs> you have a lot of notes. On <laughs> I have it. a lot of notes on it. We also did a we did a sermon series uh, about six years ago just on Joseph. You know, so wow. I have a lot of notes on it from that angle too. So it. To me, and I'm not sure that I, I really was. My hope was to capture the fuller, the full story, but really focusing on the cycles. So, to me, one of the biggest things that you see in the life of Joseph, and 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 I did not dig into the Hebrew. Um, I loved how you d- dug into the Hebrew about the stripping of the cloak and the crying out. That I mean, I love that that kind of stuff. Um, but there, there, there are he- Hebrew um, structural things that happen, not not at the word level, but at the sentence level, where it talks about the Lord being with Joseph. Then it then it uh, then it talks about his position in Potiphar's house, and then his position in the prison, and then at the end, the recognition by the pagans. The, the Egyptians that the Lord was with Joseph. Mm. So you have you have this this 
not to get too nerdy, but there's the, there are these cycles of chiastic structures that that have the 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 the. They're surrounded by, they're bracketed by this idea that the Lord was with Joseph. And then if you look at those chapters in 30, 30, um, 39 and 40, that, that, that repetition of the Lord was with Joseph. And, and one of the things that I did not get into, neither one of us got into, um, because it just, again, it could, it, you can go 45 minutes or an hour getting into it. But one of the things that to me is really significant and creates the redemptive historical tie to Jesus is that the reason that that Moses, um, if you if you believe in mosaic authorship, primary authorship of the book of Genesis, which I I I do, I believe Moses is the primary author of the book of Genesis. Um, Moses is writing this to the first century or the first generation coming out of Egypt, giving them a foundation for their identity as God's people, as Israelites. And and the big question mark that they have is, why did God put us where he put us for 400 years or you know 20 generations in the land of Egypt? And did he leave us during those 20 generations? What was God doing? And, and that's where you go back and say, well, Joseph was brought to the land of Egypt. He was, he was brought to the land of Egypt under false with, you know, with all this, as you, you really hit this and I loved how you hit this. And I want to talk a little bit more about this, but it was sinful activity that brought him there, but it was God's providence that, that was was really redeemed the, the, the circumstances redeemed the circumstances so that the people of God come out um, uh, wealthier and more prosperous in Egypt and if you look at the cycle in the book of Exodus what happens the people are in hardship they're they're beaten they're tor- tormented they're slaves but at the end of the story of their time in in the book of e- in Egypt in the book of Exodus they plunder the Egyptians and they come out more prosperous as they head to the promised land so that's a lot of stuff that we can't get into yeah. um, but it goes points us forward even further to Jesus Christ so when you're looking at this and you really you and I love Loved how you talked about the sinfulness of the family, which I didn't touch on at all. You know the 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 broad strokes. What are the things that you're like really having to make a decision about? You know, I just talked about some of the things I had to make a decision about. What are some of the things you're having to make a decision about to say? Yes, I can talk about this and yeah, do it justice, yeah. but I can't talk about this and do it justice. Well, this is the hard part. Uh, this every time. I mean, we'll go into you know Ruth this this week, but it, yeah. which is a is it four chapters, not twelve chapters. But yeah. still, there's a lot. There's a lot to, lot to that to as well. It. There's just it's hard when you have narrative to to try and do justice to the to, you want to, they need to know the story. So yeah. and the other thing is it's hard in the context you just described a little while ago. This congregation, if you've been in this congregation for any period of time, you've heard how many how many weeks was that? It's twenty one, but that's just a small you know it was twenty one weeks, but it was just a small subset of the congregation. You know about fifty, sixty, seventy people that went through that. Oh, okay. So I know some of the folks actually in the agape class who were with me during that time, they came to me and said, "Oh, I remember you talked about that." Yeah, da, 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 da. So yeah, yeah. So the, the, I mean, I, I just think that's the, that's the challenge as a, overall. And you and, and for me, I wasn't going to assume 
because I'm looking over and I see college students, and I see some high school students over oh, here, I yeah. see some young couples over here, and so I already knew not to assume that everybody knows this story. Yeah. So I went the opposite direction. Let's assume that even if you do know the story, that you're going to hear the story again, so you can see the progression. So it was, for me, it was about, and you talked about it in terms of cycles. Mm-hmm. I love that. I even drew little arrows when I was t- taking notes, and little cycles, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like a recycling sign. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but it is there is a there is a rhythm to the life of Joe. Joseph, that is important to the narrative of yeah. the story, and I wanted to make sure that we we, we capture that. So, and, and the only way you can do that is you got to get up twenty thousand feet over the over the story and say pick and choose. Yeah, and so and for all the details that I I chose and the details that you chose, we could have chosen twenty others. Yeah, and and the and the ultimate purpose for us was to talk, and we both did this again. You know, we looked at the Joseph story at different from different angles, but with the same basic purpose to point forward to Jesus Christ as an anchor for people's faith in the middle of their own difficulties and hardships. And so, again, we could, we could, you know, we, we could, we could have spent a lot of time talking about the, and I, and one of the debates I had in my head was, do I just, do I go to the forgiveness piece, the reconciliation piece of Joseph and his brothers at the end? And neither one of us, we mentioned it, yeah. but we didn't, I mean, we could have talked all about their fears and about their, their, you know, the, the reason that they had to be afraid. And then Joseph, we we did get to Joel, Joseph's ultimate reconciliation with them, but didn't talk about the cycles of, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I mean, he tricks them. He plays joke. I mean, he plays tricks on them. Completely left all that out, we, didn't we? Left, he, yeah. we he, Leave he, the brother behind. He cap, he, you know, he, no, come back yeah. unless you bring the younger brother. He holds some of them in captivity for a while. It's, it, there's yeah. so much rich yeah, stuff yeah. in there. And I loved how you said it to the people like, hey – Take this weekend, just read this, read read the rest of it because it's a lot of cool stuff. In yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that the that the Genesis fifty. We both we both included the Genesis fifty twenty. Uh, yeah, you almost can't. You almost can't. You can't not, not. Yeah, not tell this story without landing there because it really comes out as the. As the the whole point of what he, what he was saying is that this is not about the brothers. This is not about their sin. It's not about the 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 the, the way that it unfolded with with his brothers. And it's not about the. It, it is really about what God was doing in, in the middle of of. of at many times tragic situations, yeah. uh, certainly filled with sin. What was God up to? Yeah. That's that's the that's the answer to that question in that verse. Yeah, and uh, it's, you, they they meant it with all their wrong-headed motives and sinful nature and evil actions that's exactly what they 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 did what they did out of evil intentions yeah yeah but 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 god has bigger plans right and i think and one of the things that i when i have taught genesis i've taught through genesis twice um from genesis 1 to genesis 50 is that that verse those set that set of verses is really the thematic verse for the entire book of genesis because um, and I'd love to get your kind of pastoral counseling take on, on on something in a moment. But you know what you see consistently in the the, the narrative cycles in Genesis is um, people doing terrible, awful things to one another, and God using that terrible awfulness to 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 for redemptive purposes. And so, one of the things I'd love to get because you you really mentioned this. Um, you really started the message talking about the problem of pain. You know, mm-hmm. how, how could a how could a good guy? I can't believe in your God because there's so much suffering in the world, and how yeah. can bad things happen to good people? And so, when we we talk about it from this um, 
this level of God has an ultimate redemptive purpose. But somebody comes to you and says, I get that, but I don't care because it's my, my wife still has cancer or my kid still has cancer. Yeah. Um, what do you – how do you kind of counsel them through those yeah. moments? Um, Good question. Good you know. question. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm reminded of, of a while in seminary moment and friends whose child was born and had a chromosomal disorder mm-hmm. and child survived for a short period of time and died and I fly down and come, I'm with this family and I'm kind of talking with them and first question they ask is that question, why, yeah. did, why did God allow this to happen? That was the question. Why did God allow this to happen? I don't know where – because I'm, I'm – Seminary students, so I'm not like I'm not you know in the in the world of this and been at, been at it for for years at it. All, all I could get out of my mouth was I think something didn't come from me. I think it was the Holy Spirit gave it to me. He said I said look I could give you some answers mm-hmm. and there are some answers. There's some things that could I could speak about this, but in the end it doesn't change anything. Yeah, it's just you your head will be. Your head will be maybe a little bit satisfied, but your heart will still be broken. Yeah, and so I, I don't know. It's going to do you much good. Yeah. So this is not so pastorally in the moment when these things are happening. Said, yeah, I, I've got some things I can say to you, but I really don't have anything to say to you. Yeah. Later, if I'm having this conversation later on, so I would I would look at this as uh, the two really good answers that are biblical answers to why bad things happen to good people. One of them is that. Um, or just how this can happen. Evil is real. Um, God is good, and um, and God, God is powerful. So yeah. you kind of rec- you have to reconcile those three thoughts uh, together. One of them is the Joseph story. Yeah, is to say that what you perceived to be something that was evil, or maybe even something that actually was evil, there is another layer that you can't see mm-hmm. that God is doing, and maybe even some of it God is orchestrating. But it, the purpose of that is redemptive in a way that you can't see in the moment. Yeah. You later on you will you will see this. You, you they meant it for harm, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, the saving all the, of all the lives. If that is a faithful biblical response to mm-hmm. why bad things happen. It may well be that that, that in the moment you're you're saying you're defining what is bad based on you having a bad time. Yeah. That may not, objectively speaking, through the from the from the top down, from from holding my hand in the air like from, yeah. from God, from God down, that may not that may not actually be what's what is perceived in the moment. But but when you look back on this in five years, ten years, or five minutes or ten minutes, God, you're going to go, oh my goodness, I could not have seen that yeah. coming, and look what came out of that. That was amazing. Yeah. That is one massive important way to respond to that. The other one is just to say that that we live in a world that is evil, mm-hmm. that has evil in it. And what we know is that that the effects of evil they will they will it will it will it will win sometimes and yeah. we'll, we'll we'll be stuck with it we'll be living with it but we know that ultimately the ultimate victory is with with God mm-hmm. and the ultimate victory is with over evil and over death and we will stand firm and glorified to go back to yeah, sorry from two weeks, weeks ago, ago. Yeah. Uh, we'll stand in these glorified bodies and we will be victorious and yeah. so right now it may be hard um, yeah. but but then it will be glorious beyond imagining yeah I, you know I, I i um read a book a couple years ago at this point it's been a couple of years by um by a guy named uh, francis spuford what a name yeah francis he's he's british um and it's called unapologetic uh it's why christianity in spite of everything still makes surprising emotional sense that's the subtitle 
um, now, for those that that decide to go and look that book up, I will tell you because he's a British Christian, he does drop some um, interesting language in this Christian book. But um, but his premise, his whole premise, is the idea that just what you were saying at the, at the, in the latter half, the the thing that makes the most theological and logical sense doesn't that that God has a ultimate redemptive purpose even in the in the plans of you so what i say to to my to the classes when i teach on on this is you know um god uses sinners to accomplish his redemptive purpose because that's all he has to work with yeah other than other than jesus christ all he has to work with is sinners and so when all he has to work when the when the raw material is tainted by its definition he has to work not 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 th- he has to work through that to get to that end that makes a lot of logical and theological sense and like you said yeah. it, you have to pick your moments to 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 put that out there there's the pastoral that's the pastoral sensitivity that's right yeah. but what what does help and and this spuford puts this out is that what makes the emotional sense from christianity is the fact that the world is broken that is a fact right we we, we are human beings and we have the propensity he uses some colorful language here we have the propensity to mess things up we're going to mess things up but the good news of the gospel is that our god got involved in the mess yeah he's not looking down on us and because that would that could have been an option it could have been an option it's a mess and i'm and i'm out i'm wiping everything out or you guys you know wait till you you kill each other with nuclear war and then i'll start over again he could have done that the way the deists kind of think of it is he's winding up the clock eventually the clock's going to run out and then he's going to wind the clock up again but that's not what the gospel is and we both got into this is that our god gets involved like he doesn't he's not hands off in jesus christ jesus took the brokenness of the world to the cross and that and and while we don't always know the specific answers to why we can know the theological answer of why do bad things happen to good people we might not know the specific answer why does this bad thing happen to you but we do know that god cares and he demonstrated his care and that he brought jesus and that ultimately as you just put it he's going to be victorious over all of that and 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 that to me when you look at the joseph story you get to see the 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 redemptive purpose at the end and that's what we get to it's see satisfying. in Jesus Christ. It's satisfying in a different way. It is, yeah. It yeah. may not be satisfying in the in the in, in the agony of the moment of of whatever it is you're going through. Yeah. It's not satisfying in that. It doesn't change that necessarily, but it does change how we think about it. And that's really all what what else can you do? You mm-hmm. can either, if you you can't change the circumstances, but you can change how you think about the circumstances. Yeah. And how do you change this think what you think about them? Based on the hope that we have that have inside of us. By the, by the way, one thing that we do that we reject as an explanation, if we have these great com, com, conversations about pastoral conversation, why mm-hmm. did this bad thing happen? One thing that we outright reject is that the, is that there is a is a an evil force at work in this world that is in a, locked in some cosmic battle no, with yeah. with with God, and that evil force is equal to an opposite from yeah. from from God, and so yeah. there's just ongoing eternal con, you know Back and sometimes and forth. sometimes when bad things are happening is because there's this evil the evil force is winning the battle yeah. and other times when the good things are happening is because the, the, the god is winning the battle that is that is that yeah. is ab- 
absolutely rejected, and yeah. that is that we can never make the presence and the work of evil or uh, evil in this world to be anywhere close to. Yeah. It, is, it is always going to be inferior yeah. to the to su- supremacy of, of God. So. Well, and that's where you said in your message, um, you know, as you're as you were wrapping it up, this whole two truths and a lie. We lean into the truth and we reject the lie, and the lie is that on the one hand that evil is of equal power and authority to the goodness of god that's a lie but it's also a lie that in the in the absence of apparent goodness that god doesn't care um and that is that is as as god does care in the middle of the apparent evil that we're facing or the actual evil that we're facing and he's demonstrated that care in that he sent his son jesus christ to face down that evil ultimately on the cross our evil that we contribute to by the way that's the other thing mm-hmm. is we're not yeah, you know yeah. i love to tell you you know we this is another angle we could have taken and you you brought a lot more out of it than i did joseph doesn't start the story as like this paragon of morality yeah. and 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 righteousness you know because it's god does not choose joseph to be uh, this typological savior and actually bring about the saving of many lives because Joseph starts off the story as such a, you know, so righteous and holy. In fact, none of the patriarchs are. I mean, yeah. they, they all mess up, but God still chooses them and uses them and, and, and creates that opportunity. Which, which, like the Nathan story, like the King David story, like the Peter story you were yeah. talking about a little while ago, which ought to give us a great sense of hope. Absolutely. Because yeah. you know I'm I am a sinner yeah. and I am I am and sinners sin yeah that's what we do yeah we don't mean to we don't want to I don't want to yeah but but thank thank literally thank God yeah. that there is a there there is grace in the middle of the sin yeah absolutely otherwise I I would be a mess. Yeah, wonderful story this week. Uh, do uh, like you had said in your sermon. I do encourage people to read the whole thing, yeah. the Genesis thirty-seven to Genesis fifty. Um, again, just as a forewarning, if you've never done that before, Genesis thirty-eight seems to have absolutely nothing to do with the story. It does, but you got to know a lot more about it. Um, but read that, um, and and I would, yeah, if anyone's listening to this, send send uh, send me your your favorite biblical characters. You can email me z mcgowan m c g o w. Maybe we'll put them in. The next yeah. insertion of great stories. That's right. Z McGowan at fpclakeland.org. I'd love to hear from you there. If you missed any one of the messages, either Pastor John's in Vine or mine in Classic, go to fpclakeland.org, head to the worship page and the sermon archive tab. You can watch the whole messages, uh, whole, whole services, and then watch the messages. And if you miss any one of our episodes of Armchair Preaching, be sure you subscribe at your favorite podcasting uh, channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Subscribe, hit the like button, share it with your friends. I think I said subscribe twice there, um, but that's what happens. But uh, John, this week you're going to be back in Vine. Back in Vine. I'm going to be back in Classic. We go to one of the most beautiful stories in all of literature. Um, it's been It's on a ton of lists. Most beautiful short stories in all of literature. Um, it's the story of Ruth, yeah. and so we look forward to getting into that. Um, John, thanks for hanging out for a it's little good while. Good to be here, and uh, we'll see, see everybody you. soon. See everybody next time.